This is the Passive Real Estate Podcast, the premier podcast for passive real estate investors. Matt Jones interviews experienced passive investors who share their industry secrets and active investors who show you different ways to invest passively. Welcome back. I'm Matt Jones. And today on the Passive Real Estate Podcast, I welcome Sean Griffith. Welcome, Sean. It's great to have you on the show. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me in. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you and uh, hopefully being able to provide some value to your listeners. Excellent. I love to hear that. Uh, what would you like the audience to know about yourself? Oh, wow. Uh, there's a lot of years of history there, but I know we have limited time, so I'll kind of condense it down as much as I can. Um, our real estate journey began about 12 years ago. <laughs> we got into uh, passive, uh, you know, creating passive income uh, through real estate syndication investment. And, I, you know, it was a little scary, to be honest. Uh, but, you know, we, we found some good partners and, and got connected. And if you fast forward about oh, 10 years, uh, so a little over two years ago, we got started um, as uh, syndicators and we dove in head first. And I can talk a little bit more about that later. But uh, my wife and I, uh, I, I've retired from my W-2 job. I'm doing real estate full time now. Uh, my, my number one goal right now is to get her retired. Uh, so that we can travel more, which is one of the things that we like to do. Excellent. Yeah, that's a, that's a good goal. So 12 years ago, you started with passive investing. What sort of deals were you investing in at that point? So it was strictly multifamily. Uh, we got into our first investment was a little 64 unit uh, apartment in Carrollton, Texas. Uh, the, uh, the GP on that knocked it out of the park. Uh, we got like three and a half times our money back and it regularly flowed between 12 and 14% cash flow. Obviously a long time ago, right? We don't, we don't see those kind of cash flows now. Yeah. And if somebody's promising you that, then, then uh, certainly question that. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, some of these higher press that I'm seeing, I'm going, okay, that means probably nobody's getting cash flow except whoever's got the press shares and uh, including the GPs. Uh, and then, you know, there's probably going to be a little, le little less downside or a little less upside on the back end when it sells for everybody because mm -hmm. they, they've got to be able to fund that extra somehow. Yeah, exactly. I don't like when I passively invest, I don't want the syndicator to just give me my own money back from the capital reserves. Yeah. Uh, and, and <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put my soapbox down here and climb up on it. I really dislike the term passive investing. I love passive income, but the investing part of it should not be passive. If you're investing in a deal, you have a certain responsibility to yourself to do your due diligence on the team and a little bit on the deal. Obviously, you know, once you get to know the team and you like them and you trust them, then you don't have to worry about the specific deals so much but you still need to know enough to ask the right questions. And even, you know, and, and then once the passive income starts, you still want to, you know, know what questions to ask and how often you should expect to see reports. And if you don't see stuff like that, how do you, you know, how do you remedy that? What do, what do you do? Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. And I agree because you can technically just give your money to whoever and then not pay any whatsoever attention whatsoever. Uh, but that's strongly uh, not encouraged. But uh, so what kind of due diligence are you doing for the syndication sponsors? So I've actually got a whole checklist of stuff that I've put together. Um, 
uh, you know, probably, I don't know, 50 to 100 questions that you want to ask. And, and obviously, it depends on the deal. You may not need to ask all of them. But, you know, I want to know and, and uh, you know, there's um, you know, like we had one deal that we were invested in as passive investors and there were five partners on the deal. I knew one of them really well. The other guys I, could, I had heard of, I, but I, I hadn't met them. I didn't know them. <laughs> and this was still early on in our career in, in investing. And I have since learned that I really should have had a conversation with all of the partners, which is I strongly recommend. Uh, I've got several repeat investors with me, uh, and I will occasionally have different partners on deals depending on the deal. Sometimes you need a different person to take down a different type of deal. And I always encourage my investors, talk to all of us. Just because I've done my homework, you know, don't assume that, that you know, I, I did everything I needed to do. I said, it. I, I try to, but, you know, I'm human. I make mistakes. And one of the things that you really need to vet is, is the team really a team? Do they all have the same goal? Do they all have a same understanding of the business plan? Do they know what they're going to do to operate that property uh, efficiently and to make all of us money? Well, we were invested in a deal with the five partners and there were five different business plans. Uh, there were five different, well, actually, honestly, there probably weren't any business plans if we're going to be totally honest. <laughs> there were five different ideas on how that property should be run. And property management was getting conflicting directions. And you know nobody had been appointed as the asset manager that had the final say on how things were going to be run. And, and, and of course, a lot of this I found out after the fact. And, and the property management company just kind of threw up their hands and go, you know what, uh, when you guys figure out what you're doing, we'll start trying to work a little harder for you. And, and they basically did the minimum necessary to maintain their contract, which, as we all know, is not nearly enough to operate a property you know, profitably. And so, you know, profit started dropping. Well, actually, just income in general started dropping. We never saw cash flow. They promised us 9% uh, cash flow, never saw a penny. Uh, we were supposed to get a little over two times our money. Uh, and and to be fair, we got about, you know, 28% of our money in two and a half years. So, you know, right around 13, 14% return a year, which is not bad, but it wasn't what we were promised. And, and the worst part of all of it was they didn't communicate with us. The one guy that I knew well uh, would answer my phone calls because he knew he'd run into me around town and I'd corner him and go, hey, <laughs> what the heck's going on here? And so, you know, he would give me updates, but I'd have to, I'd have to call him and bug him or send him two or three emails and go, hey, we haven't heard anything. What's going on? And all of those are, you know, all of those are very bad signs if you're a passive investor. Yeah. You know, one thing you said there is like you found out about a lot of this stuff uh, retroactively. And th by then it's kind of too late. Like you're you're sort of stuck at that point. What are some of these questions that you're asking the whole team before you invest with them? Who is the primary asset manager? That is probably one of my, and if they hesitate very much at all on that question, I probably won't invest with them. There needs to be one person that everybody agrees on. You know, if there's any disagreements on the team, the buck stops here. And like, if you and I were in a deal and you're the asset manager, I'm going, you know what, guys, Matt has the final say because he's the asset manager. 
And, and, and I tell that to the property management company. When, when we introduce partners, I said, I said, you can call me and ask me questions. I said, but I'm going to tell you, you know, my partner, whoever's, whoever the asset manager is going to be the, the final say. I said, you know, I'm happy to step in, you know, when they're not available, you know, I can make decisions, but, you know, it, it just runs a lot smoother when you've got somebody that's actually in charge. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, what other kind of questions do you ask the team? Well, you know, I, I ask them, uh, you know, how many deals they've done together? Uh, you know, how many have they done individually? Have they gone full cycle on any deals? And how did that work out for their investors? Uh, would you give me, uh, you know, three or four uh, referrals of people that have invested with you? Um, you know, would you would you give me the, you know, the, the names and phone numbers of, of people you've partnered with? You know, I want to I want to do my my human due diligence. And, yep. and the people I call, I'm going to say, you know, would you invest with this person again? Would you partner with this person again? Yeah. And someone I talked to a few weeks ago also said that, uh, you know, besides the contacts that the syndicator gives you to, to, to you know ask for references, try to find out what, who some of their other investors have been uh, and then contact them separately if, if you're able to do that. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's one of the questions I asked the investors. I said, you know, do you know any other people that invested in this deal? Um, and a lot of times you'll know some of them, uh, you know, uh, and, you know, it's a small world. If somebody develops, you know, a reputation for, you know, not sending out communication, um, you'll hear about it. And this is where the active part of the passive investing uh, comes in, because uh, yeah, like you, you still want to do that work, that due diligence, that uh, investigation to figure out what's real, what's not real with the syndication sponsor, with the deal that they're putting on, uh, their history, their um, and what you can guess is going to be the future of uh, where your money is going to go. Yeah. And, you know, when you open up a PPM and read it, I, re I remember the first time I looked at a PPM. You know, it, it only had about 35 pages in it. That tells you how long ago it was, you know, a dozen or so years. Now they're up to about 110 or so pages. Um, but there's a section and there's about 14 or 15 pages. The first time I read it, it scared the hell out of me because there was all these things uh, were reasons you should not invest in a deal. And I talked to an SEC attorney about it. I, I had him go through the thing line by line with me and explain the contract to me. And he goes, yeah, he goes, these are this next 14 or 15 pages are all reasons you should not invest in this deal. He goes, the only reason it should scare you is if it's missing. He goes, because, you know, they're required to disclose anything that could possibly go wrong. Now, what you should what this section should cue you to do is ask your sponsor, how are you mitigating all of these items in here in these 14 or 15 pages? What, what are you doing to you know, minimize the likelihood these things are going to happen? 80% of it's having the right insurance, you know, at the right levels. And the other part of it is doing your due diligence on the building. And, and for me, I've added another category is having a prudent reserve, which I like to call my, oh, crap fund. Because when the property manager invariably calls you and you go, oh, crap, you reach into your, oh, crap fund, you throw a handful of money at the problem and it goes away. And, and the older the building, the bigger your, oh, crap fund needs to be.
Yeah, I like that. You you definitely need that reserves uh, for, uh, you know, because unexpected things are always going to happen with real estate. Like you could have the best laid plans, uh, but then stuff happens (laughs) and you got to be ready for it with that cash reserve, that oh crap fund. Yep. And, and, you know, and you're absolutely right that, you know, I have never, I think I can say that definitively, I have never had a real estate deal go exactly as planned ever. There's always been some kind of of pivot, whether it's small or large, uh, you know, whether something, you know, like, like we have a property that's a 70s property, you know, we knew there you know, were most likely going to be some plumbing issues, but you never know when and where they're going to happen. We budgeted for it, <laughs> so we had the money, but, you know, uh, all of a sudden, poof. You know, hey, we've got a building where, you know, there's, you know, no water is draining out of it because all the drain lines have collapsed. Well, you know, it's, it's cast iron pipe and it's past its useful life. And, you you, you know, you have to plan for those things. You just know it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Yeah, I met a, a syndication sponsor uh, a couple months ago now who, you know, like I asked him, like, if there were like what kind of problems that he had experienced in the past with uh, real estate deals. And he said that he had never experienced any, de- any problems whatsoever with his uh, syndications. And I thought, well, that's a major red flag. So that would tell me he's probably done none. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's done none. He's just trying to get uh, his feet wet uh, with his first deal and uh, doesn't know what to expect. So uh, that, that for me is a big gamble that I'm not going to put my money with. You know, I I might, you know, if I did my, the, all my other due diligence and, and, you know, the guy checked out, uh, but I would probably take the guy aside and go, Hey, look, uh, you know, if you're telling people you've never had a problem, they're going to know you've never invested. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. That uh, my advice uh, for him in that case would be partner with other people who are really experienced and learn from them and, and yes. grow. So, yeah. Yeah. But uh, so with that said, um, you talked a little bit about plumbing, but uh, what's an, another problem that you've encountered with a real estate investment and how was it handled? Oh, geez. Um, well, we had a gas leak at one property that uh, happened on, of course, on a late Friday afternoon. Uh, you know, so have, getting somebody out there now, Atmos Energy was out there very quickly to shut off the gas. But now that meant nobody on the property had hot water because we had you know gas, hot water. So, you know, one of the things that we did, uh, you know, we've got it. We had a contractor that we knew um, and, and reached out to them and go, hey, can you can you do us a solid here and come out, you know, or find somebody that can come out. And, and they got somebody that came out and located the leak for us. And then we had a couple of other guys that that did the uh, you know the digging to get everything prepped so that uh you know, the, the team could come in uh, first thing Monday and fix it. And then you've got to get the city to inspect it. And then you got to get them to come turn the gas back on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we uh, uh, we decided, you know what, you know, the residents were out without hot water for two or three days. So as kind of a, a kiss and make up to them, you know, we had a Kona ice truck come in and, and, uh, you know, everybody got free snow cones for the day. So hmm. nice. And then uh did you communicate that to your investors as well? Oh yeah. Now we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna send out a uh you know a, a you know 
oh, hey, you know, we, we just had a gas leak. It'll go in our monthly report. You know, we, we communicate the good, the bad, and the ugly to our investors because the ones that have invested with us before know stuff happens. Yes, indeed. So you're doing monthly reports. Is that uh, kind of your uh, approach to communication with your investors? Yeah, we uh, what we do is, you know, usually you've got the first two months of the quarter are just kind of, uh, you know, operational and any, you know, interesting or unusual things going on with the property. Uh, you know, any kind, you know, like you know, we'll report on what we do for resident appreciation and that kind of stuff. And then the third quarter uh, has the quarterly financials uh, in addition to everything else that we report. Okay. And um, uh, how can a passive investor determine whether or not you and your team are a good match for what they're looking for? Well, we'd need to have a conversation and see what their investing criteria is. Uh, and see what their, uh, you know, their risk tolerances are. You know, if you've got somebody that wants, uh, you know, pretty just vanilla returns, you know, no, no potential of big upside, then you probably want to go with a little less risky, like newer, you know, uh, A, A minus, B plus, maybe B properties uh, that are in great condition. Um, we've got a property under contract right now. It's a um, it's a class C uh, 60s property. Uh, we're going to be putting a little over two million into it and we're going to have a million reserve uh, just because it's a 60s property. And, uh, you know, we're going to be adding some amenities. We're going to be, you know, significantly upgrading the, uh, uh, you know, the, the roof. Uh, the plumbing, uh, the amenities, uh, just, you know, we're, we're going to implement some, you know, resident uh, education programs for like uh, financial literacy and, you know, a few other things like that. Just... And are you primarily syndicating multifamily properties? Yeah, uh, I am involved a little bit with some ground up uh, self-storage development, um, but I'm not I'm not part of the core team that that's doing the actual development. Uh, they've actually got a, a builder, a guy on the team that um, he used to work for one of the big boxes like CubeSmart. And that was his job. You know, the team would buy the land. He would come in, get all the entitlements, uh, get every, get the construction crew lined up, uh, get the thing built, uh, staffed up. And about when they got somewhere between 50% and 75% leased up, he'd move on to the next project. So he's done this probably 40 or 50 times. Oh, nice. That's good experience to have to keep doing it. Oh yeah. He's, he's like, he's like a freaking machine. Uh, so why are you doing multifamily and uh, self-storage right now? Why is this a good time for those asset classes? Well, so real estate in general, you know, is a, Good. Any time is a good time for real estate. Now, people will argue with you, uh, but I'm not in real estate. I'm not flipping houses. I'm not here to turn a quick buck. You know, Grant Cardone likes to say, uh, you know, real estate is not a get rich quick scheme, but it is get rich for sure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether you love Grant or hate Grant, uh, you know, that's uh, that's very true. You know, my, my, my daddy always told me, he goes, buy dirt. They ain't making no more of it. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for a speed round? Let's do it. What's your favorite part about passive real estate investing? 
really the the passive income. Indeed. And what's your what do you know now about passive real estate investing that you wish you knew when you first got started? <laughs> I wish I'd started much earlier. <laughs> uh, what's a book that you can recommend to other investors? Oh, uh, I, I just finished uh, Dan Sullivan's Who Not How, which is an awesome book. Yes, excellent book to kind of reframe your your idea of uh, management and time management. Mm -hmm. uh, how can our listeners get in contact with you if they want to learn more about what you have going on? Oh, the best way is our website, which is twtmultifamily.com. That's Tango Whiskey Tango Multifamily.com. And I've got a book a call button on there. Uh, you know, book a call with me and uh, have a conversation. All right. I'll include that in the show notes. And is there anything else you want to mention that we haven't covered yet? Uh, you know, we uh, we love to travel. I mean, I know you, you can see my uh, St. Thomas shirt that I'm wearing. Uh, I, I, I had my Antarctica shirt on yesterday. We just got back from Antarctica uh, in February, which was a great trip. So, I mean, we love to travel and I'm in the process of writing a book that talks about how to use uh, real estate syndication investing to uh, improve uh, or enhance your travel game. You know, if you've been used to traveling coach, well, maybe now maybe you bump it up to business class, you know, or, <laughs> or you travel more frequently or ideally both. Yeah, it's like uh, with Rich Dad Poor Dad, instead of buying these uh, you know things that you want to buy, instead buy assets and then use the cash flow to buy these other fun things. Exactly. Very good. All right. Well, thanks, Sean. I appreciate you having on the show and you have a great rest of your day. All right. You too, Matt. Have a great day. Subscribe to this podcast to stay updated on new episodes. Leave a review to let us know that you enjoy the content. There are tons of ways to invest in real estate that you can explore by reading Matt Jones's book called Book About Real Estate. It summarizes many top real estate books all in one. Find it on Amazon, Audible, iTunes, Google Play, or barnesandnoble.com. If you want to learn more about passive real estate investing, go to hawkwingcapital.com.